Are you a sex worker looking to build a new website or a website redesign? Then you'll want to consider Fox Digital. They did a fantastic job designing my website, Stripped by Sia. If you want your website done, mention that you're a listener of the show at foxdigital.design for 20% off. Tell them I sent you. another episode of stripped by sia your podcast for strippers sex workers and all the fancy naked people in between i am your host steph sia aka kimchi on stage surprise you can actually find me on stage this week i'm I'm surprisingly booked um at the club so if you find yourself in the lower mainland in vancouver uh canada i will be dancing at shaker's show lounge this week from tuesday to saturday so if you want to come chat with me tell me how much you love the show come buy a dance from me etc throw money do all the things all of the above is welcome feel free to find me there and besides my work as a dancer i'm also a digital content creator so we have an OnlyFans account i'm also a cam model as well on streamates which i really need to go back there on a regular basis and i was a former sugar baby for a number of years um that was kind of my entry into this industry so if you're brand new here this show is all about destigmatizing sex work i do know that a lot of you are kind of brand new as well a lot of you i'd met at the living in community conference not too long ago just a couple weeks ago where um that was a really great really great event to meet so many people advocating for sex worker rights um, in and around the British Columbia area, the province that I live in, and also some people that came in from out of town as well. So just want to say hi to you guys. Um, it was really cool to connect and also to do my very first keynote. Um, thank you all for the support. That was incredibly nerve wracking and anxiety inducing, but I survived. Yay. <laughs> And for everyone else that's also curious about like, hey, how else like, can I get involved um, in advocacy work or whatever, there are tons of organizations. I just feel free to ask. I have, I'm happy to do any introductions for you all, um, but I usually get that question a lot. So yeah, other than that, back to the show. Um, a lot of you are also Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much for your support. Um, people are always asking how like they can support the show financially and they used to give it a PayPal link, but we all know how PayPal is really problematic. Um, but Patreon subscribers get exclusive video access to all of the episodes from season five and over. Um, that includes the episode itself, unedited and raw and pretty much ready to go an entire week before the public gets it on all major podcast podcast platforms. And yeah, there's also really cool announcements, lots of bonus episodes. There's a lot of bonus episodes I'm finally releasing that are on that platform. So feel free to check it out. It's um, here's as low as $4 a month. It's patreon.com slash stripped by Sia. And just a quick hello and shout out to those who are on the second and top tier. You guys get a little fan recognition shout out. Just saying hello to Amy Taylor, who was on the show not too long ago. B York, thank you so much. I just I love creators that support our other creators. It's amazing. Go follow them. They're amazing. Eric Rajo, we've got Moxie Mayhem, Selena Money, Geyser, Ted McGuire, Justin Erickson, Snoo Snoo, all you people from all around the world. It's really, truly inspiring and amazing that you're choosing to support a small little independent show 
on sex work, but um, we need more people like a, like you out there. So thanks again for your support. And if you do like shows like this, um, if you're interested in learning about the adult industry in different capacities, feel free to check out the network that I'm on, Skyhawk After Dark TV. They host a lot of other adult podcasts, videocasts, other fun adult industry things on there. It's skyhawkafterdarktv.com. And last but not least, um, I forgot to mention my Patreon helps support the funds for my website because, you know, hosting a website costs money. So it's stripedicea.com. And my friend Anthony Joe of Fox Digital has created that website and also helps a lot of other sex workers who are looking to, you know, break out onto the online, get a website for themselves, or maybe going to make over on your existing website. There's tons of options out there. And for Strip by Sea listeners exclusively, you can get 20% off. Just go check them out. It's foxdigital.design and tell him I sent you. All right. We are here. I feel a little bit rusty, but I also feel talkative today. I don't know what's going on. I didn't drink coffee today. But anyways, um, very excited to chat about all the things today. If you're wondering what the topic is, who's going to be on the show, you'll find out very soon. Today's episode is all about trans porn, but also just talking about transitioning, how that might affect um, your sex work, talking about surgery, pre and post-op, plans for the future, and, and things that might affect and impact your work. So I am bringing on trans creator Mimi O. You might have seen them on Twitch. You might have seen them in various porn online. Um, please welcome Mimi to the show. Hi, Mimi. Hi, so lovely to have you here today to chat about all the things, lots of things to talk about over the next hour or so. Um, before we kind of get into everything, I'd love for you to introduce the audience, as, uh, introduce the audience, introduce yourself <laughs> to the audience as well, maybe in your own words and terms. Yes. Okay. So hi, I am Mimi O. I am uh, self-proclaimed the internet's sexiest cringe lord. Uh, the world's most erotic otaku. Um, I am a transgender uh, sex worker, specifically working in porn. I have um, been working as an independent creator for three years and have been working for studios for about two years. Um, and yeah, I have... Uh, been award nominated in my first year doing studio stuff. I uh, recently got to film my debut for the Japanese uh, porn industry, which I'm very excited for. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we'll definitely talk about all of your achievements and how you got there and everything like that. And also also yeah, breaking out into the Japanese porn industry, which is like something we don't really ever talk about or hear about ever. So I'm excited to just start maybe from the beginning, maybe talk about your origin story in terms of how you got into sex work. So it kind of all started with my ex-boyfriend um, because he was a sex worker. He had an OnlyFans. Um, and like, he kind of encouraged me to start posting on Reddit because prior to doing sex work, I was someone who was very uncomfortable sexually. I was very uncomfortable with my own sexuality. I was very uncomfortable with 
any and everything involving sex mm-hmm. um and just very uncomfortable with just my body in general and so he kind of encouraged me it's like you should try posting here because like I think it could actually really help you with like you know your self-esteem and everything kind of just getting more comfortable with yourself mm-hmm. and so I started posting like casually on reddit every now and then um then the pandemic hits Mm-hmm. And at the time I was working a retail job. So obviously I was out of a job for quite a bit. And so um, I had already accumulated like somewhat of a following on Reddit. And so I kind of took that and like opened up a Twitter account and told myself like, okay, when I reach this many followers on Twitter, that's when I'm going to officially open up an OnlyFans. And then I hit that number open an OnlyFans account. Um, yeah, I've, I've been doing it ever since. Amazing. And I just love how, like, you know, especially for someone that was, like, you know, maybe quite shy about sexuality and stuff, too, what a complete 180. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's one way of building confidence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean – and also, like, with Reddit, too, that can be such a beast. And we've definitely talked about Reddit and using that as a great – I mean, it's a really, really great marketing tool, but also yeah, can be a very scary place. <laughs> it is. I'm pretty much, like – I'm pretty much banned from almost, like, every Reddit that I started out on nowadays. <gasps> oh, my gosh. What? Yeah. I feel like – I don't know what it is. Recently, just Reddit, like, the mods on there have just gotten so power-hungry lately. They're <sighs> like – no advertising, no whores. Yeah, they just hate whores. This there. is for organically horny people. <laughs> but I mean, it looks like you built a following there. You've gotten some success and you're here now. And also, I mean, talking about going from independent to mainstream too. Can we talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah. So that all started in October of like, 2021 yeah Mm -hmm. um it was just I think I was like uh just three or four months like post-op for my breast implants Mm -hmm. and I was really curious about going into like studio stuff like I I was kind of at like a point where it's like okay I could either like full-on get you know gender reassignment surgery or I could just get implants and like try to work in like mainstream like for studios um I went with the latter because that was something I was just super curious about and I kind of knew that like if I were to go through a getting like just gender uh reassignment surgery in that moment I would pretty much be like shutting that door just preemptively mm. um, so that's kind of why I opted for like the latter of the two And so, like, once I had, like, started to recover from my surgery, I, like, messaged some sex worker friends who had, like, worked for studios and kind of just asked for advice of, like, hey, how do you, how do you work for studios, you know? Like, how do you reach out to them? And they just kind of all gave me the advice of, like, one of them specifically was just, like, here's these directors for these studios. Go follow them, comment on their stuff. Eventually, they will notice you. Just go be annoying until they look at your page yep (laughs) and it worked (laughs) it worked um and then yeah I got booked for my first studio scene and was pretty much out 
flying out to my first uh, trip to California, my very first like basically trip out of state for content and everything. Like a week after the studio messaged me. And the rest is history. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, yeah, it was kind of a, uh, it was kind of a chaotic start, but yeah. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> okay. Yes. And then we'll definitely talk about um, your work in the trend and uh, in the porn industry in Japan as well. But let's say that for later. Cause I already have so many yeah. questions. So talking about maybe let's start at the beginning 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 mm-hmm. in terms of like when you're born did you feel like you're in a different body at the time and i i apologize if, it's, if this question is mundane but I, just trying to transport I me back to that time yeah i actually don't subscribe to the philosophy that like i'm a woman trapped in a man's body mm-hmm. i've always had the belief of like you know like my body is that of a woman, be, like no matter what stage it's in, because in my heart and my soul, no matter what, I'm I'm fully a woman, you know, mm-hmm. like no matter how I look like, no matter how I present myself, um, like, yeah, I never saw myself as being born in the wrong body mm-hmm. because I just always saw my body as like that of a woman's body. Sure, it's different than like a typical woman, but mm-hmm. like, you know... I've just always had that belief. Like there's no one shape for what a woman is. There's no one uh, standard for what womanhood is, in my opinion. Absolutely. That makes a completely valid point for sure. Yeah. And I guess like going and deciding to do surgery to tell us about that journey, your preparation, the research that you were doing Mm -hmm. and stuff, but maybe start from there. Yeah. So I still haven't undergone gender reassignment. I'm still in like the midst of kind of saving up for that. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of like my breast implants, because that's quite literally the only thing I have like ever gotten done. Mm -hmm. Um, God, I don't even know. I didn't really look up like trans specific surgeons for it. It was Mm -hmm. more so I was just looking for surgeons like in my area and got lucky that like in my area there happens to be just just this amazing really good surgeon that does breast implants and specifically does uh breast implants through um the armpit uh the most common incision is the under boob right um so yeah if i were to i mean my armpits aren't shaved right now but like right here there's like a very small scar so on my actual breasts, there is absolutely no scar whatsoever. Wow. I did not even know that you can get surgery. I, I didn't know okay. either. I don't think a lot of people know. And so, like, whenever someone reaches out to me, because I've had, like, other trans people, like, reach out to me and ask, like, about my implants and everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I tell them exactly what surgeon I went to, which is uh, Dr. Adrian Lowe here in Philadelphia. Shout out. Um, Yes, amazing surgeon, uh, an absolute artist. Um, and I always tell them, like, you know, if even if you don't go to him specifically, try to find a surgeon that does, like, the armpit incision because it mm-hmm. makes such a difference in just how, like, your implants are perceived, in my opinion. Because yeah. so many times I've, I've met people 
and they just had no clue that like I had implants. Wow, because that's super like, natural. Because there's like there's no scar, and again with this surgeon in particular, like he really does them kind of like two size as well. Mm-hmm. So like the way he kind of did it for me was um, filling an empty implant to like what my goals were and then kind of doing like a little bit more just to see Mm -hmm. like how much like your body can handle while getting like as close to what you want. And so that way, like if your body can't handle your original goals, you'll be a little smaller. If it can handle a little bit more and get you a bit closer, they'll be a bit bigger. Like when I went in for my initial consultation, we originally talked about a 350 cc Mm-hmm. And the end result ended up being 365 cc. Oh, yeah, went a little larger. Mm-hmm. And I remember because it's like um, not remember this conversation, but like this is how we kind of met too. Because I think we're, I was like, let's talk yeah. about breast implants. Yes, exactly. And yeah. I was like, yeah. I'm like, let's let's definitely have an episode for you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And um, that's interesting too because like I think. And if you are listening for the first time, you might want to go back a few episodes to talk about, uh, we had a whole discussion about breast implants um, and kind of like what those deciding factors might be. If you're a pole dancer, yeah. then there might be other specific things. It depends on what kind of activity yeah. you're doing. If you're a bodybuilder, yeah. you might want to, there's a couple other factors you should definitely double check. I mean, for me specifically, like my deciding factors was the fact that like, I had a lot of like dysphoria centered around my chest, a lot of gender dysphoria centered around it. Um, mm-hmm. And then again, that factor of like, you know, wanting to try to work within like studio porn. And so like when it comes to studio stuff, it doesn't hurt to have like bigger boobs. It doesn't hurt to have implants. I mean, I feel like there's such just a common thing in porn and like so many people don't realize it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, I yeah, I feel like all the people that I know in porn, I feel like 90% of them definitely have had yeah. some kind of surgery. Done. Everyone, I, that's why I, like, I, always, like, I always take a bit of umbrage with people who are just like, oh, I'm 100% natural. My body's all natural. Because it's like, we, we work in an industry where it's like, our appearance are kind of our selling points. And, like, Mm -hmm. everybody indulges in, like, cosmetic procedures here and there. Whether it's, like, full-on surgery, whether you're just, like, getting a bit of filler, injectables, Botox, whatever. Everyone indulges in that. So I always just take a bit of umbrage with people that are, like, specifically just that, oh, I'm all natural. But most (laughs) of the time they aren't because they usually are undergoing, like, injectables or something. You just can't tell. Oh, totally. They just did a really good job. We're having <laughs> mm-hmm. like, like very like natural or like minimal results. Totally. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like I just feel yeah. like, yes, our industry in general, and especially in porn, specifically like that corner, it's so commonplace. Mm-hmm. It is I so just common. I'm so I'm just I'm a very anti plastic surgery shaming, you know? Yeah. That doesn't need to happen. <laughs> your what you want to do with your body is your own business and mm-hmm. You know, especially like with an industry, as you mentioned, that's so centered on yeah. bodies. <laughs> then on of course bodies, we want to enhance on, it. <laughs> on appearance, on like looking the hottest you can possibly look. Yeah. <laughs> um, talking about, I mean, kind of related too, but talking about like transitioning 
Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, was this before you entered sex work, during sex yeah, work? Yeah, so I have been medically transitioning for, uh, in January, it'll actually be six years. Um, yeah, I started when I was 19. I turned 24 tomorrow, not 24, I turned 25 tomorrow. So Happy birthday. Thank you, thank you. At the time that like we're recording this, it's literally like the day before my birthday. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I didn't, I didn't fully enter sex work until... I was like 21, so I was about two or three years into my like medical transition already. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like what's common is most trans sex workers tend to enter the industry during their early transition as a way to like support themselves and support their transition. Okay, um, yeah. And so for me, I was already three years in I had kind of skipped the very awkward stage. Like I, all of my like very awkward stages of transition were all pre-sex work basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Because for anyone who is uh, thinking of transitioning um, there, it it is literally a second puberty because there are so many, there's a good like two to three years at least that are just so painfully awkward where you just like just don't know what you're doing and because mm-hmm. like your body's changing your appearance is like kind of changing over time and like you just don't know how to adjust to it totally like uh whenever I get comments of like or messages from like other trans people who are like oh, you know, like, you're one of my transition goals. I hope I can, you know, look like you someday. Aww. Or, like, you know, what what did you do? How can I look like you? And it's, like, there was a lot of awkwardness before I ended up looking like this. Yeah, you're, like, you guys just didn't see it mm-hmm. <laughs> or experience it. But, I mean, um, can you give us a little insight about, like, some of those, what specific struggles you might have gone through just so it's a bit more, like, I, I think know. The- biggest struggle was probably with with like growing my hair out I think that was probably the biggest one because uh high school like I was completely bald I had I had like a random Britney moment and just like shaved my, all my hair off oh my gosh yeah oh and wow so yeah from that moment I was you know growing my hair out completely from scratch and there is a period where I was also like when my hair was still very short, where I was also dyeing it a lot myself and bleaching it a lot. So my hair was also super damaged, super fried, oh super da- damaged at like super awkward lengths, not knowing I didn't know how to style my hair at all. Like I didn't know how to do shit to it basically. And I feel that's always the most, I feel like that's all the two most awkward parts, actually three most awkward parts of transition are like hair, makeup, and clothes. Like trying to figure mm-hmm. out like what your like new style is basically. Yeah. Cause like I definitely had a period where it's like I was trying stuff I thought I'd like, but then once I actually wore it, I was like, no, this doesn't look good on me. What? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> You're like, sorry, just like, experimenting. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, oh God, like when I moved into this apartment, um, my apartment that I'm currently in now, and like I was going through like all of my like clothes and like figuring out like what to bring with me, what to get rid of. I was just, there was so many things where I was just like, 
why did I buy this? <laughs> what woman did I think I was that I bought this? You're like cringe. The cringe mm-hmm. is real. <laughs> hey, yeah. I mean, it is like a kind of like a really awkward phase because yeah. you just don't know. You don't know what feels good. You don't know like what's going to look good. You just kind of like. like kind of have to go through the whole experience of girlhood into womanhood in like such a short time, basically. That is. And like you have to navigate that by yourself. Oh my gosh. I mean, and it, yeah. It's, it's super difficult. It is super awkward. It definitely <laughs> takes a few years before you really start to like, in my opinion, before you really start to like kind of come into your own as like a woman for like for sure. the average person transitioning. Yeah. It really like, takes you like quite a bit to like discover like what kind of person you are. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, kind of like up until that moment, you're kind of just living as something else Mm -hmm. like you're not really living fully as yourself and then once you start to like whether it's like actually medically transitioning whether it is just socially transitioning that's when you really start to like that's when you have to actually ask yourself like who am I what kind of person am I like like you actually have to like kind of get reacquainted with yourself and figure out like what do I like what kind of person am I what kind of woman am I those are a lot of big questions and like deep reflection yeah. that you have to ask yourself. And like, mm. I just remember myself going through puberty <laughs> and yeah. also just going through adulthood. Like that was a long time for me to be comfortable in my own skin and know who I am. And then mm. for you to do that in just a few short years is crazy. And, I mean, I'm lucky to, to the fact of like, I, got to transition pretty young you know a lot of people mm-hmm. don't have the the luxury or the benefit of being to transition when they are super young some people transition like super late into life and so they right. like have even less time to like ask themselves those questions yeah and those are really important and vital questions and and you mentioned something too because like yes there's like one there's kind of I guess maybe three aspects you said medic medically transitioning socially transitioning there's also yeah. physical too but t- talk to us about the social I mean, physical kind of goes into the medical yeah it's kind of intertwined yeah so the physical is like uh, i mean there's always like different routes to going about it because there's like just so many different methods of it mm-hmm. um for my like medical journey i have been on injectables pretty much the whole time Mm-hmm. Um, which injectables are like the most like potent, the strongest like doses of estrogen that you can get. Um, mm-hmm. It is like the thing that gets you the most results um, in like relatively speaking, the shortest amount of time. Oh. Um, again, that's, that's relatively speaking compared to like the other methods. Right. Um, and then when I was a year into my transition, that's when I started to introduce uh, testosterone blockers um, mm-hmm. because a fun fact for, uh, again, anyone who is looking into transitioning, um, it is best to start on estrogen and then testosterone to testosterone blockers? blockers at least a year after because mm-hmm. if you start them at the same time, that increases your chances of developing cancer. 
Oh my gosh, I did not know that. Yes. Oh wow, okay, good to know. So it's For best anyone. to, again, anyone who is looking into transitioning, who is looking to start that journey, um, either start with just blockers or if you start with estrogen, wait a year before you start blockers too. Because like your body has to kind of get, I, I don't know the I'm exact reason, it. but I'm pretty sure your body has to get like uh, accustomed to it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense because it's a lot of things happening at the same time. It's a lot of. Yeah, yeah. it's, I mean, you're basically like introducing just an influx of a hormone into your body that your body like doesn't produce high levels of. Right. And so it's. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of sudden changes. The the one mm. thing that affected me the most like uh, immediately was like my mood. Like oh, there was okay. just there was a huge shift in my I, I I remember this super specifically. It was the day after I had taken my very first shot and I was getting ready for like a job interview. Okay. And I was like watching like I had on Sailor Moon while I was like getting ready <laughs> and like I don't know, like the episode that was on, like I felt myself like like starting to cry while watching oh, no. it, which has like, never happened before. Oh my God. And for Sailor Moon is usually pretty mm. light stuff. So it's like, yeah. come on, body, what's going on here? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So lots of things to consider mm. for sure if yeah. you're wanting to transition. It's not just like, yeah, because it's not just like your physical body changing because like that is a big part of it is like, um, like fat redistribution kind of like your body overall tends to become like weaker on estrogen as well mm. as fat tends to shift from like your abdomen to your chest and like your hips and thighs. Mm-hmm. Um, All the good places. It's like hopefully. there's such there's, there's also like just an emotional and mental shift as well that happens when you start it because totally. again you just have this like huge influx of hormones that just you didn't have before. Yeah. And it takes a lot for your body to get used to that. Mm. For sure. Yeah. I mean, this was happening because you started transitioning at 21, or 21, I guess, from now. No, 19. But then you started in the I started, industry. Yeah. After I started that. to medically transition at, at 19. I entered, uh, I started to do sex work when I was 21. Right. And, and we were talking in the beginning, at the top of this conversation, talking about, okay, I'm like mid-transition, but you mm-hmm. were talking about, um, you know, some people might do that at the beginning. But yeah, talk that's... to us about your experience, though, being in the middle of it all. I really don't know what there is to say about it, because like at the time that I started, like three years is kind of when you kind of start to like level out, in my opinion. Okay. So by that point, like, I was pretty like just used and accustomed to everything. Um, like pretty much all the major changes that like were going to happen happened. happened and like already. it was just, you know, yeah. And at this point, even now at this point, like me taking my estrogen is just like making sure everything stays the way it is. Right. Um, so I wonder like if, there are folks in the audience that are like looking about or thinking about transitioning. Would you actually recommend it? You know, about I like always, three years in. I mean, definitely, yeah, yeah. I I always am like because like the worst thing that can happen is like you know you're like a year into it or something and you realize like yeah this isn't for me. 
And then like, that's it. That's, that's all it has to be. Right. It's just like, yeah, that like I try this. It isn't for me. Like I am so pro like everyone just having easy access to hormone replacement therapy mm-hmm. because like, yeah, like you just, you try it and you realize like, yeah, this isn't for me. Like I'm going to stop it. And like that, that's all it has to be. Yeah. And it shouldn't be a big deal too. I don't really mm. hear a lot of those kind of Yeah, I mean, they're definitely like, I feel like within like the past year, within 2023 with like, um, at least the beginning of 2023, when like so many states were trying to basically outlaw transitioning. Oh my gosh, I know. Like, they, like you were hearing so many of these stories of like detransitioners and everything. And like detransitioning is such a rare thing within the trans community. Mm-hmm. And like, usually people who detransition are people who didn't properly look into what hormone replacement therapy does to you. Mm. Yeah. Because that's like, the, the majority of us look into this stuff for like years and years yeah. and are like, you know, we're looking through forums and blogs and like, we're watching videos, watching like frequently asked questions about like, you know, what's the experience like? Right. And, you know, normally like the stories that you hear, I remember like one of the most prominent ones was like someone who was uh, like, oh, I regret taking testosterone because like, you know, it made me gain weight and I grew all this hair. And it's like, well, yeah, what do you think that's, testosterone does? What I was going to say, isn't that like the normal outcome? Like that, that's what you expect? Yeah, that, that's, that's what it does. And yeah. so I think like, yeah, I think people have to go, when it comes to transitioning, people kind of have to, I recommend going in with low expectations, you know? Mm-hmm. Go in with low expe- expectations. Go in knowing it's going to take you years to look how you want to look. Um, And that it's not going to be instantaneous. It's not going to be overnight. It's not going to be over a month. It's not even going to be over a year. It's going to be a couple years of steady commitment and gradual change. And one day, like, you'll just notice, like, holy shit, I'm not the person I was, like, two years ago. Yeah. It's a commitment. And it's also Mm -hmm. a journey, too. And, like, like any kind of change or any kind of surgery does usually take a few years, two to three years, Mm -hmm. for for your body to completely change and for that to be complete. Even like like, any, even like any just cosmetic surgery, mm -hmm. like even like for both cis and trans people, any cosmetic surgery, it takes your body a while to kind of settle. Yeah. When you like make major changes to it. Yeah. Like Like for instance, like I, not even like any kind of cosmetic surgery, I am like going to get Invisalign. (laughs) I just went to the orthodontist Mm. yesterday and you're like, it's going to take about two years and another year on like retainer to make sure that everything's going to be in place. And it's a similar kind of thing, similar, but different, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like things take time. It's not just like an overnight decision. mm -hmm. I remember when I like, when I got my implants and like when I was recovering, I just, I was like looking through Reddit threads of like, or no, I, I went on to Reddit and I asked like, hey, how long does it take for your breast implants like actually look normal? Because mm-hmm. I was just like, how long am I going to have to deal with? Because they didn't always look like this. Like I remember looking like the day after and I was like, holy shit, it looks like someone just <laughs> literally stuffed like two hard cantaloupes <laughs> into my chest. <laughs> 
And yeah, then like, I mean, you know, <laughs> and then like, I had that slight little moment of like, oh God, was this the best thing? But then like, you know, as time went on and like, uh, you know, my body adjusted to everything. And the, the key thing for anyone who has implants, key thing is also making sure you massage them right. Oh. And doing you're like oh my my surgeon gave me like a whole list of like like exercises and like massages to do to help them settle mm. um so for any for anyone who is entertaining breast implants make sure you do that because it can make a world of difference <laughs> fyi and especially if you want to have tits that look like mimi's they're beautiful <laughs> fyi <Thank> you, <laughs> I mean, speaking sure of surgery. You... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh no, I was gonna say, like, make sure you get them proportioned your to your body, like I did. And that too. Unless you want like really unnatural ones, because that's always like a good look too. Yeah, it's whatever, whatever floats your boat. Whatever you want. <laughs> I um, I love I love some good like over the top, just huge implants. It's a look. Shout out, shout out to my friend Stephanie Michelle, who probably has like the best looking just absolutely like huge like i think she's up to like 1200 cc at this point now i need to see this person i'm going to be googling this person after <laughs> I, I her twitter because uh, anyone anyone who has seen her work knows that like she she's a girl who loves her implants and loves her plastic surgery and she looked great she owns it so much okay please send it please dm this to me later because i only want to take a look yeah <laughs> i mean um Going back to you, though, going back to the topic mm. of surgery, too, I know that you said you might have some future plans for surgery. Yeah, I have been that planning like? to, I've been planning to uh, undergo sex reassignment surgery pretty much since I started transitioning. That's always been, like, an end goal of mine is to undergo that. Um, and, like, doing sex work hasn't stopped that goal. Um, mm -hmm. I've definitely heard stories of like trans sex workers who forego getting it because like, you know, you don't want to lose out on the income of mm. like, you know, being pre, uh, being pre-op, even though it's not really like a very modern term, but you know, right. and I mean, even when, I mean, I even had people who were unhappy about the fact that I was getting breast implants. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. I had, I had, I had followers that. who who were like super unhappy about it and yeah yeah none of that has stopped me from like wanting to get it still no and it shouldn't stop you if there's something that you mm -hmm. want to do like again I feel like, your yeah, body I feel like the like something that gets like so something that really doesn't get discussed like in regards to like trans porn in regards to trans performers is you know things like gender dysphoria Things like affirming surgeries, affirming care, all of that stuff that we do. So, you know, we are actually happy with ourselves. None of that, yeah. like, and, you know, the reason why we do it, which is dysphoria. These are all things that don't really, I feel, get discussed amongst the topic of, like, trans porn. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah. like, kind of the reason why I feel like you don't, you don't see a lot of, like, post-op trans models because... Like trans porn, it, at, at the moment, trans porn, like in the mainstream, represents such a limited scope of like trans bodies and what being trans is. 
Oh yeah, please and elaborate. I have thoughts and feelings on yeah. this too. <laughs> yeah, it's I. Yeah, I mean the most, not necessarily the most PC description, but like the 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 thing that would always get thrown around is that like if you're a pair of tits with a dick, you have a job basically. Mm, right, I have heard of this before. Yeah, which is so disappointing. Yeah, because it's it, it sucks because it's like there are so many amazing trans creators out there, both like trans women and trans men who, you know, don't necessarily fit the scope of like what studios are selling. Right. But yeah, in my opinion, studios are, at least American ones, are just kind of dying, I feel. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. In terms I, of like trans I, porn specifically? Or just I think like oh, all around in general, but like in the past year, I don't know what it is. I've noticed such a regress with trans porn studios. Like when I started in, in studio work, I feel like studios were really like, I guess the best way to describe it is like thriving. Like you were seeing a good variety of like newer trans performers, newer, new and like upcoming trans performers, like working with these more mainstream studios. And, mm-hmm. and now I feel like since the beginning of 2023, that is all kind of regressed you don't really see these studios being as active anymore the ones that are active aren't really you know reaching out to like they aren't hiring the newer performers they're hiring you know like the same five established ones for everything okay and i mean that's just for trans women for trans men it's even worse because trans men basically have like no opportunity Yeah. Like, you know, for trans women, we have half the opportunities, and that's being generous, of our cis counterparts. And then trans men have half the opportunities of, like, what we have, basically. Which is not a lot. Mm-hmm. There's not it's, a lot of representation not, in that. And it creates, like, such a toxic system of, like, these studios that then come in to try to, like, you know... Basically, I, I think the best way to describe it is like exploit us in a way. Yeah. Because yeah. they come in, you know, make content with us and then kind of just pay us shit. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I've been lucky that like I um, like never got what I thought was like what I felt like was being underpaid. Um, mm. I mean, if I can talk, I'm, I'm going to be like as transparent as possible. My yeah, usual scene rate, my scene rate for like all of my scenes that I did was a thousand dollars per scene. I got that from the very beginning and I got that consistently with every studio that I worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got lucky with that because there are girls that make way less than that. There are trans, trans women and trans men that make that never even see close to that amount because yeah. these studios know that like no one else is hiring us. Yeah. Like Which I have really heard. Exploitative. Mm-hmm, I have heard stories of um, certain long running trans studios underpaying their models. 
specifically underpaying their black and brown trans models. Ugh, even worse. Like I have heard one girl who, a black trans performer who she was paid like $200 for a full sex scene. Oh, I mind gosh. you, the thousand dollars, like I make less than what a cis woman does to do anal. Right. Which is like so e- the even fucked. crazier parts. I'm so disappointed to hear this. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I know I had a conversation about this briefly with Crystal Penn on the season last month. Not last month, sorry, last season. But we, we were talking about like trans representation in major porn studios and like, just almost like they're tokenizing. Yeah, I think the issue of it is that like you have directors who just like could not give less of a shit about trans performers. Yeah. And like just care about like, you know, like getting getting their check at the end of the day, just putting yeah. something out there. Yeah, like the the putting something out there thing is definitely something I was gonna lead mm-hmm. up to for sure. It's just like, okay, well, we've got like check it off the list. We've we've got our trans performer there, we've got our BBW person there, we've got our yeah. like black porn yeah. actress, whatever. We've filled the roster there and we're good for the year. Next. Yeah. I think like I think it all kind of comes down to is the fact that like just mainstream porn in general is just so cis centered and so cisgender focused. Mm-hmm. Even for like trans studios, it is still that, and it's to the point yeah. that it's like even for you know an award show specifically to highlight trans performers, you still yes. have cis cis uh, like performers who like have nominations. Yeah, and they dominate most of those award shows too. Because I was at the AVNs earlier this year, and like I, I remember the trans um, categories being so much smaller. It's it's like always categories. It's, yeah, it is so much smaller <laughs> compared to like because when you're a trans performer, you can never be nothing but a trans performer. You know, right. when you're like a cis woman, like you could be barely legal, you can be a milf, like you can be like so many other things. Mm-hmm. But when you're trans, you can only be trans. Like, you can't even right. be a trans woman or a trans man. You are just trans. It's just trans. And that's, like, the, mm-hmm. the the token. That's the label. It's, like, almost like an acting when you're typecast. Yeah, basically. That's the only role you can play. Yeah. Which is so infuriating. And, yeah, and again, it's, like, it's such a limited scope. You get such a limited, like, representation of trans people yeah Um, which is just disappointing and i mean like is like for even for the studios that are that you mentioned that there are studios that are specifically for trans porn and they're still spewing out this one narrative this one look of what trans porn yeah basically yeah because overall in the industry like if you're a trans performer you kind of can't be successful unless like you're versatile Mm-hmm. like or yeah if you're versatile but mainly a top because like if you look at all of like the popular performers now they're all mm-hmm. performers that do like a lot of topping that are versatile you can't be like just a bottom in transform mm-hmm. basically gotcha. um which kind of sucks because 
um, one of the biggest things that like transitioning medically transitioning affects is like your ability to like ha- to get an erection, your ability to like you know physically come. Yeah, like you can't you can't get hard and come the same way a cis man can. Mm-hmm. And I feel like so many both consumers of trans porn and both makers of trans porn don't understand that and don't get that. Yeah, and just expect our bodies to still operate just like oh your body is like still the same you just have boobs it's like no it's it's no. so much more because like normally the common thing to be able to like do those things normally is a lot of girls will like basically temporarily stop their regiments oh and yeah so their body, so they can get like their testosterone levels up to that point to be able to do all those things like efficiently. Right. Which like, that was something I was never going to do. Yeah. Like I, I respect anyone who is able to do that. I respect anyone whose bodies can do that. That's something I was never going to be able to do because like for me personally, when I, oh God, whenever I stop and like, this is so relevant now because I've been waiting for like my current refill to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been like it's, oh god it's been so delayed no, when I am like off when I'm like off my hormones for like an extended amount of time I go I like I go full on insane because oh, like no. there's just that sudden like you know my testosterone starts to get up again and it's yeah. like that's something that like I haven't dealt with in such a long time yeah and like that's really hard just the mixture the, the mixture of those two together is just not good no i was gonna say like how can people even operate that way but that's so hard but i understand i, I really don't know again. i really respect job. anyone who is able to do that i wish it didn't have to be that way you know because right. like the thing is like oh god there's one thing i love i love being able to you know throw on a strap to to top somebody mm-hmm. like if we could, if we could have more of that, please, like, I'll top anyone. Just give me a strap. Yeah. But like, yeah. if you're asking me to use like my physical parts attached to me, that's not happening. Yeah. It takes a bit more planning and and stuff too. That's, yeah, that's really that's, difficult. That, yeah, that requires me to like compromise like my own transition, which like I'm I'm not doing for anybody. No. Not doing I for just, anybody. Not I, doing for any check. Like no. It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the one time I did try to do a scene where I was topping, I was like absolutely miserable because I was just so outside of my comfort zone. And like, yeah, like I was doing something that like, I, I was pretty much forcing myself to do something that like I just wasn't comfortable with. Yeah. And like, that's kind of ultimately why like I decided to stop working for like American like transform studios is because a lot of it was just me like doing stuff that like I wasn't super comfortable doing trying to force myself to like appease what do these things that like I really didn't like for like you know the sake of my career and getting myself out there more yeah I mean you shouldn't have to do that like you shouldn't have to compromise yeah I feel like no paycheck is worth that at all I mean Mm -hmm. Along this topic, too, because I know you've had experience in Japan as a porn actress as well. Like, yes. I would love to hear and, like, to compare and contrast to see what that looks like over there. 
Oh, my experience with like working for Japanese studios is a complete 180 from American studios. Oh, yay. I love to hear that. Like, <laughs> my experience with working for like Japanese studios, being on Japanese sets, it was the most like, I've only ever worked with like one American studio that like I had the same feeling with, where it's just like it was so comfortable, so accommodating, and like, Oh God, there was just like, there was just so many things where I was just like, wow, why can't American students be like this? Like the staff were just like, so like attentive and again, accommodating to like my comforts and what I wanted to do. And, you know, really good at just making sure like I was okay and everything. Like I felt very catered to on set, which is like, I had never felt like with an American studio before. You should always feel that way. That makes me sad to hear I this. I know, I know. Oh. Like, it, it, be surprised. Like, we should. It should be that way, right? You know, the talent like should be catered to because it's like, no matter how many, you know, how many new talent shows up in the industry, if you aren't treating your talent well, then like, and they all decide to not work for you anymore, You're what do you have left? Business. Nothing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I mean, how did yeah, you even like, get involved with the Japanese porn studios? So this all kind of started with, um, I, it all started with um, this uh, this director, Kingdom, who he uh, is the owner and director for this site, Japorn Triple X. Um, and he, like his whole thing is that he used to direct like Japanese porn. He, he's based in Japan and he used to direct like for the actual Japanese industry for a living for I think like 10 years or so. Um, and then eventually he kind of left that to start his own site and essentially just makes like uncensored Japanese porn. Fun, fun. And so like me and him had talked about just working together for like years and years and years and then Eventually, I just kind of decided, you know what, like, I'm just going to go out to Japan and we're going to shoot together. So I like, Love it. I planned a trip. And I mean, this trip originally started as like a vacation for me. But then like, I messaged him. <laughs> and I was like, fuck it, let, let's make this a work trip. And so, <laughs> you know, I talked with him. And then he, because um, he knew, like, I really want to work in like the Japanese industry as well. And so he mm -hmm. set me up with, um, a newer studio that was like kind of starting nice. and this was like an actual like Japanese you know full-on Japanese adult video studio and so yeah that's kind of how I got to shoot with them and everything amazing and, and it sounds like your experience and, thus far has been positive yeah I, it really has so? like I mean like every time there was like a cut like there would always be a PA coming over with like a bottle of water for me and like like a sweat towel and everything oh my gosh um, I remember there was like when I was shooting with Kingdom um there was like a moment where I like we had we had shot two scenes that day and we were working on we were shooting the second scene and I had like torn my hole during the first scene apparently because when we started to get into the penetration for the second scene it was like super painful and it's like I like like I like I think I 
like have a tear. Like I, yeah. I'm sorry, I don't know what to do. And I was like, because like in American Studios, I'm so used to like the directors telling me like, like just be slow if you have to, but push through it. Basically, right. yeah, grin bearish. Like we got it. Like we got to get this done. Yeah. Um, we gotta wrap it up. And like, so, yeah, and so like I, uh, like I kind of started to have like a freak out, and like like you know I was like, like I was like starting to cry and everything because I was just like like this is getting like so held up because of me. I feel so bad. I don't know what to do. Um, but then like he he kind of noticed, and so he like he calmed me down, and he was like, hey, like it's fine. We will stay here. Like as long as it takes to get the scene done, like wow. we'll take as long as it takes for you. Like, I just want to make sure that you aren't hurting yourself and that you're okay. And oh so, like, they literally, like, they got, like, some, like, ointment for me to, like, handle everything so I could get through the scene and, like, you know, took their time, waited until, like, waited until I was ready, um, until I gave the okay. And, yeah, that was just, like, it was just such a good experience. It was so nice to, like, feel actually cared for. Yeah, because I, that's. I'm like, I'm getting emotional right now. I'm like, the tear in my eye. I'm like, this is actually like they actually accommodated you for all that. And like the fact that I'm like shocked at this. Yeah, like I, it's so sad because it's it's like porn is like it's physically demanding. Mm -hmm. It is a physical and emotional, like it's a physical and mentally demanding job. And I feel like so many directors just don't accommodate for that. Right. And don't the majority of them don't accommodate for the toll that it takes on us and aren't properly equipped for like mm -hmm. when stuff like this happens. Yeah. Um and yeah, yeah it was just it was such a nice, it was so it was such a refreshing experience. And it like it was in that moment that really cemented it for me of like, yeah, I'm done with American Studios. I am <laughs> full on done. Fair enough. Fair and enough. And then Oh my god! Another like little thing that they do is, um, they have like a PA that like is basically at like the actor's side at all times, mm -hmm. um, and with a little cup of lube for like the actor to basically like stick his fingers in and like lube up whenever he needs to. Oh my and gosh! I love it. When I tell you, like. American studios need to adopt this because it is the best way to get scenes just like done. Right. Because the typical experience for when you're shooting, like for an American studio, in my experience, is you know, you get you get five minutes of this position. Cuts, mm. relube, reset everything, which you know, maybe like a five, ten minute setup, and then okay, ten minutes of this position. Right. But with this, it's like there is no cut basically. You just do a strategic zoom in for the actor to like relube off camera. Ah, and then there you, you can go. just easily like flip from one to the other, get it like pretty much all done in like one go. Smart and efficient. It, it, it was so efficient. And I'm just like, why aren't like American studios, like, directors always rushing you to get this done. And it's like, if we just started doing this, it would save so much time. And less pressure on the talent, mm. which is nice. And just, like, yeah, and just so much more comfort, too. Comfortable, yeah. Because it's, like, you're not just, like, 
you know, lubing up between takes. It's like you're able to do it like as you go and just like make sure natural. it's like a comfortable experience for everybody. Totally. American Studios, because if you're like, listening, take mm-hmm. notes. Because <laughs> like, that's the thing that they do for both cis porn and trans porn is have that little cup of lube. There we go. And it's not even like, <laughs> it's just so simple. <laughs> it's just like a yeah, simple like, solution. <laughs> like you just get like, just get, fill it up with like, you know, a, like if you're doing vaginal, fill it up with a water base. If you're doing anal, fill it up with a silicone base. And like there. So smart. So smart. So, so smart. <laughs> so simple. So easy. And like, yeah, American Studios, start start doing this, especially start if you're shooting this. anal. There you go. There you go. Let's end on that positive note, though, Mimi. <laughs> yeah. We could probably keep going on and on about this. Oh, I could, I could talk forever because I just like, again, it was just such a positive experience. I I'm can't so wait to go to back. That. I can't wait for my debut to drop. I <laughs> hope I get to work more in the Japanese industry. And yeah. Fingers crossed for you. <laughs> so exciting. Um, but what's also exciting is that there's some questions that came in from the audience mm-hmm. as well. So it's time to shift over there to switch gears. So first one is, and this might not be applicable to you, but I'm still interested to hear like maybe hormone-wise how it might affect um, yourself. But are orgasms vastly different before and after? Um, so I can't speak on how they are when it comes to like gender reassignment surgery. As far as like when it comes to like medically transitioning, like just hormone therapy, they are vastly different. Oh my God. Because <laughs> um, for one thing, uh, it's a case, like a lot of times it's more difficult for me to orgasm um, just because that's just like, it's just a side effect of hormone blockers. Um, when I actually do orgasm though, it is like, it's a much more internal feeling and it is like much more like it's super intense as well, like more so than it used to be. And on top of that, I like I don't really come anymore the same way that like a typical like like a cis guy can. Right. Because now, like if if anything does manage to come out, normally nothing does. Normally, again, all my orgasms are usually like internal. Very rarely are they like external. On the right. rare moments that they are, it is just, like, like the smallest little, like, puddle of just, like, basically, like, just, just clear squirt, basically. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. <laughs> like, completely clear. And, like, the first time I ever noticed this, I was, like, I was, like, wow. Like, that is completely clear, huh? That's so different. I never even it's thought about so, that. Yeah, not a lot of people, like, know that, like, that's, that's, that's the reality of how it is. So it's thank great, you, though. Twitter like, loser, for that question. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, the next one is, and this might not be applicable to you, but if you want to chime in, um, have trans erotic dancers found it difficult or impossible to find work at strip clubs? So I can't personally speak on this because I've never been a dancer. Um, I unfortunately have a severe case of the Caucasians, so <laughs> that was never in the cards for me. Um <laughs> I do happen to know, like, I have quite a few friends who are in that side, though, who are dancers. Um, one of my closest friends, V, she is a dancer in, uh, like, the Southern California, like, LA area. And I don't know if she ever gets work in, like, 
clubs or anything. Usually, uh, I guess the more accurate way to describe it is like she's more of like a showgirl mm-hmm. because she's more so like working events and stuff. Um, yeah. As opposed to working like exclusively at a strip club. So, yeah, I'm not sure if like how it is for like trans strippers. I think the most more common thing is that they more so go along that like, from what I notice at least, just as an outsider looking in, I notice more so them going along of like the more showgirl as route as opposed to like the traditional stripper route, if that makes sense. No, that makes a lot of sense too. And like um, chiming in as well um, from mm-hmm. my work here as a dancer in Western Canada. Yeah, I don't find any traditional like strip clubs like actually designated and licensed as a strip club hiring yeah. any girls that are trans and no trans women mm-hmm. or no no trans at all actually. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of events, as you mentioned, queer and NB inclusive uh, nights yes. and private events, especially kink events that do hire a lot of trans folks, at least here in Western Canada. So yeah, that's all I could say. In that any, anyone who was ever in Southern California, go to Jolene at Precinct is like the best monthly inclusive strip show ever. There we go. Check it out. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was about to say, like, that was like, a, that was like one of the things that like I really liked about Japan was that like you had so many, you actually did have spaces for that. Yeah. And like, and like the Red Lake District and like Shinjuku and Kabukicho, you have spaces for like, like bars entirely staffed by like trans women or like strip clubs for that, like, you know, staff trans women. I'd love to hear that so much I wish, more. I wish America impressive. would just get on that already. Right? We're just so freaking slow here. Like, Ooh. slow and just disappointing overall, <laughs> to be honest. Um, maybe before I let you go, where can we all find you? So you can find me on Twitter at odangmimi. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at odangomimi. And you can find me on TikTok at Odang It's Mimi. I'm also on Twitch as well at Odang Mimi. Um, I do Twitch streams every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, this will probably come out after Exotica. I'm also going to be at Exotica, New Jersey next weekend. <laughs> so looking forward to meet everybody there. Um, and yeah, that's that's all the places you can find me. My uh, Japanese porn debut will hopefully be coming out in November. Um, I know legally it can come out by that time. Uh, there's like weird, there's like legal, like laws about like how long you have to wait before you can release a uh, porn production in Japan. Oh, yeah. So after the after the production wraps, you can release it like three months, three or four months after. Okay. Another thing I didn't know about that either. Wow. Um, but yeah, that is all the places that you can find me at. Um, I also have a Discord server as well, which I regularly advertise on Twitter. Um, and yeah. All the things, all the places. Go follow, go like, go buy her porn. <laughs> yeah. I also have things. a GoFundMe for um, my... Surgery? Uh, Yes, for my gender reassignment surgery. Um, That is linked on my Twitter for any generous people who want to donate to that. I very much appreciate it. I'll plug that in the show notes as well. All the links, all the things. Please 
Rico helps support Mimi. Be amazing. And yes, for once everyone I have, else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once I have, once I have a pussy, I'm going to make so much like better and hotter porn. So. <laughs> And we'll have to bring you onto the show to talk about that too again when, when that happens. Yeah. Oh part, God. Part I have so two. much. I'm gonna be so annoying like when it does eventually happen. <laughs> You're gonna be just fine. <laughs> I, I have I haven't even gotten it yet. I already have like five videos planned for it. <laughs> you know, thinking ahead, smart, yeah, smart businesswoman. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And everyone else that's listening at home, it's Stripped by Sia on Twitter, Stripped by Sia podcast on, no, yeah, Stripped by Sia podcast on Instagram. I'm still trying to regrow that account. Um, Patreon.com slash Stripped by Sia if you want to financially support the show. If you want to be on the show and I haven't personally invited you, um, you can try to pitch yourself at strippedbysia.com. Click on on the contact button there. I'm always open to hearing all of your interesting pitches Um, because, again, this industry is so vast and I can't cover it all. I mean, I can. My goal is to try to cover it all. (laughs) But please reach out to me there and, yeah, tell us if you like the show. Rate five stars on Apple and Spotify. And it's new episodes every single Sunday. We'll catch you all in for another episode next week. Thanks so much for joining us today, Mimi. Thank you for having me. You're listening to Stripped by Sia. Hosted, produced, and edited by Steph Sia. Music by Ted D. Graphic design by Maria Bellandarama and photography by Ian Dabrin. <laughs>